Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, all right. We got more of that going on later. How's everybody doing? All right, awesome. All right. Hey, before we uh, jump into groups, get the discussion going, get warmed up uh, for today, or we're going to be in Luke 23, if you have your Bibles, or uh, if you have your phone, Luke 23. And uh, we don't have much going on with announcements uh, right now. Uh, I don't know if you care or not, but one of the biggest deals is we're going to order new communion cups, I think. and get. Wow, I didn't realize you guys were so, uh, so opinionated about that. So we're still going to try to do it to where it's self-contained. Uh, we're not going to do the communal thing yet, but hopefully it's easier. I, I know we're struggling, a lot of us, with some of us with little uh, fatter fingers. So we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're impaired. We're going to work on that. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah, exciting at Access Church. We're going to put that on the website. New communion cups, join now. <laughs> um, no, we won't. Uh, next week, if you didn't know, is our Easter service. And so, super exciting. Uh, we're going to do a family service, just so you know. It's going to be a little bit more condensed. Uh, we'll have things for the kids to do here, so we'll have tables set up, or maybe you'll want them with you, um, so you can kind of uh, choose on that. But we thought it'd be kind of cool to do a communal thing, and, and it's great. Every once in a while, bring the kids in with worship. I think that's really important as families and things like that. So, um, yeah, so that's next week. I uh, just want to encourage you guys. We are in connection groups. We do start discussion this week, so make sure you're taking notes, remembering things. If you're not in a connection group, you can sign up online, or you can talk to Laura Lee or myself. We'll get you going for the next several weeks. Let me pray, and we're going to take a deep dive. We're going we're gonna to start running, so uh, get ready to go. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Uh, next week is an incredible celebration, but also... Palm Sunday, the week before, uh, Lord, um, is also very powerful. And every week we sing about the cross, we take communion, and I pray today, Jesus, that we'd understand uh, the weight of it, uh, the beauty of it, the power of it, that it wouldn't just be songs we sing or just this concept, but we really understand that uh, God came and transformed himself into a human being and uh, died, and it was very important that you did that for us. And I pray that would change our lives because it wasn't meant to be known as a historical fact. It was meant to change our lives. And I pray that would happen today. This isn't an intellectual thing, God. Transformation would happen this morning for us. No matter what, if we've been coming to church for two weeks or 20 years, may not one of us be arrogant enough to think, I've heard this before, no big deal. In your name, Jesus, amen. Uh, to me, the, the cross is, uh, is an anchor in time. It's an anchor historically. It's an anchor globally. And it's an anchor personally. An anchor is very important because it, it brings stability, right? It keeps you grounded. Without the cross, you will never be grounded in your faith. You'll be bipolar in your faith, schizophrenic, going everywhere. The cross is where we get stability, strength, hope, purpose, perspective. It's where we get humbled. 
And you cannot come to God apart from the cross. There's not several paths to God. Everybody enters through the cross. Today, we're going to look at some different aspects of, of why it is important. And first, I want to look at the historical and the kind of the global impact. And then I want to look at the personal impact as we get into the story of how, what Luke talked about. Luke gave a certain perspective of how Jesus died not only for the world, but the personal impact of people that were watching and how personal God is. He's not just about the whole world. He's about us individually. Uh, two passages before we get into Luke 23, and there'll be really three passages today. Romans 3, 25 through 26. We'll be looking at that. Romans 3, 25 through 26. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. And then we're going to look at Luke chapter 23. Those will be the three passages for today. So the beauty and the power and the importance of the cross is this. God's justice and love are completely fulfilled. It's very important. God's justice and love are completely fulfilled. God has to be a God of justice and righteousness because who wants to follow someone that is arbitrary in how they administer justice? Doesn't that anger you when you see that? Right? Whether you see it on TV and someone that should have been uh, paying the penalty, justice, for their sins and they don't, for their wrongdoing. And maybe you don't care. You're like, ah, oh, that's on the news. But if it happened to you, if someone broke into your house, if someone killed your kids or your spouse, if a drunk driver hit your car, oh, then it changes, right? I know that because I'm in connection groups. I hear your stories. If you see someone speeding and you don't feel like speeding, you're like, oh, I hope they get what? I hope they get caught. Until you're late for school and you're going, and then you're like, what do you want then when you're going fast? Mercy, 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 right? But when you're not in a rush and someone else is and they're tailing you, oh, I hope there's a cop around the corner, right? Can you imagine if God was like us? What a crazy universe we'd have. And the Bible says that God is perfect in his justice. The, the, the problem that puts God in is, the Bible says each one of us in here breaks the law. So God's in a quandary because he's perfectly just, but he's perfectly loving. What do you do? To fulfill his justice, each one of us must die, which means he's separated from us. That's why the Bible says it's clear. The penalty for any sin is death. Now, you might disagree. That's too much of a penalty, just like a car ticket, right? That's too much. Why do I have to pay that much? It is what it is. If you don't want to pay that much, don't speed, right? It's really easily fixed. Don't speed. Well, it shouldn't be that much, but it is. And some of us view God that way, like, like you're another God that's debating God. Well, he should run it this way. Well, when you become a God, you can debate him. But until that happens, God says, listen, the way I set up this universe is, that for every wrong, there must be justice. And in our hearts, we know that that means that that's true. We just don't like it. And the beauty of the cross is that fulfills his justice and love perfectly. And that's what makes God so amazing. If you've ever wondered, like, why do these guys sing? Why do they get emotional? Like, this is weird. Like, why, why are you? Because 
God is perfect in justice and love, and no other human being or religion or philosophy can do that. And by the way, I want to encourage you with this is, you know, some of us are like, I, I mean, are we really that bad? Only someone that doesn't have a child says that. <laughs> Once you bear a child, you see sin nature. You're like, oh, dear God, yeah, we are, we're selfish. We're bad, right? But check this out. Also, if you study world religions or philosophy in college, aren't all of them on some kind of a search? Every philosophy or religion, the reason I love studying all that, sometimes when people are like, oh, don't do that. You might lose your Christianity. I'm like, no, it strengthens it. You see, every philosophy and religion is searching. They know we're off. They know something's, and they can't solve it. And the cross solves what's wrong with us. The Bible talks about this in Romans chapter 3, the justice of God. Romans 3, 25 through 26. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of what? Atonement. You might want to circle and line that word because probably half of us are like, what does atonement mean right now, right? It's not like we use that, you know? Like my kid needs to atone for what they did yesterday. We don't say those words, right? Atonement is a powerful word. Circle, underline that, maybe tattoo it right here on your arm, on your back. It's sick, right? It's a powerful word. God presented Jesus to the world. Here's my son as an atonement. Atonement has two, when they originally read this, the readers would have two types of ways of describing atonement. There's a legal and there's a spiritual way. And both are very important. The legal term means to, that it's payment for an offense or wrongdoing. Jesus is a payment for the offense or wrongdoing. You pay the ticket, right? You see it, you get it in the mail, you owe this much money. You have to pay for what you did. You broke the law. And the Bible said, since we all broke the law, Jesus doesn't want us to make the payment, though, because it's death. That's the verdict. And he's perfectly just. Everything that he assesses is perfectly judged. So he says, well, they can't pay it, so I will. Can you imagine just how thankful someone was to be? You get a ticket, and, and then it says, listen, the courts, we paid for it. Don't worry about it. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens sometime in California soon. You know, we'll probably be paying for all tickets, but that would be amazing, right? I'm, I know, a little political joke. Settle down, some of you. But no, wouldn't that be cool? Or you got the ticket and maybe a friend or family member, hey, I, I got that. Wouldn't you like feel like, like, thank you? Now, imagine the sentence is, listen, any wrongdoing, it's death but I'm going to take care of that for you. That's atonement. Do you see why we worship? Do you see why I get a little emotional when we talk about Jesus and the cross? It's not just some random act where he's like, I just want to make a spectacle. Like, oh, look what I did. No. It's crud. You're in trouble and I'm going to save you and you can't save yourself. When we sing these songs, you guys, later on this morning, now you're going to get some meaning behind it of why the cross is essential and powerful, because without the cross, each one of us never will have hope to live for eternity. And here's the thing. It's something we all strive for. This whole world is striving for eternity. I joke about it all the time, right? 
But that's what everyone's trying to do. They're trying to, how can we live longer? How can we live better? How can, there's, this, there's this echo of just eternity where we're made for something more than just 50, 60, 70 years. It's why we grieve when someone passes away early. Oh, they, they left us too early, too soon. Why? Because we have this expectation. You don't have to be a Christian. You're like, there's something in my soul that says this can't be it. A job, marriage, the kids, the cars, the stress, the stock market, blah, 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 and done. Boom. Nobody remembers you. You don't remember a thing. Really? No. And Jesus says, I know. You were made for something more, and I'm providing that something more. So God presented Jesus Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. So legally now, our wrongdoing, the payment is made. But the spiritual aspect, and, and you talk about this, because this word atonement, just you know, in the Hebrew, it's used as far as atoning, as far as like cleaning the temple. So if you see the word cleaning in the Old Testament, that's the word atonement in Hebrew. So spiritually, it means to be cleansed, but purely as far as there's nothing, there's nothing there that's dirty. It's, it's completely deep clean. Like any of you that started the spring cleaning, you know that feeling of like, <gasps> and not just like you kind of wipe something down, but you, like, you really like antibacterial, anti, I mean, you just went to town, right? It smells good. It feels good. Like everybody's happier. Your kids listen to you now. Birds come in the house. They sing to you, right? It's like that. It's like, oh, it's like. But now think of that spiritually where all of a sudden your sins are and so you get the whitest snow, right? And we're gonna sing about that, about being cleansed. And so when you come to Jesus, you don't clean yourself up. Well, let me take care of my cussing. Let me take care of my drink. Let me take care of my anger. Let me take care of my pride, my lust. Let me take care of that and then I'll present myself to Jesus. He goes, nah, you're still dirty. You look kind of clean, but you're still dirty. The blood of Jesus, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, cleanses you. Now, some of you are like, but I still have that guilt or that shame. Well, that's subjective. Objectively, you are completely clean. Now, God's sanctification process, or now when you follow the Holy Spirit, it's working on your emotions and your subjective view of yourself. But objectively, you're clean. You're free. Any of you that know someone that has gone to prison or gone to uh, spent any time in jail or anything like that, uh, run-ins with the law. If they have a long period of time of that, you know what the hardest problem is when they get out of prison? They still have the mindset of a convict. And they're always thinking other people view them as that. And they still feel judged when you can't get a job. But I serve my time. You know, you're a convict for life. So it's hopeless. Well, if I'm a convict for life, I might as well keep doing it. And some of us act the same way towards God. He's freed you. Well, I'm a sinner. I just said. And so even though you're objectively free, you're out of the prison, you still act like a convict because you judge yourself or you think others judge you. And God says, who cares what other people think? I have freed you. You don't have to go back. You don't have to be a slave to rebellion and sin and selfishness and pride and anger. You're free. And he helps us with that. Now atonement, does that give you a broader meaning? The payment's been made. The cleansing's been done. But Brian, I still feel guilt and shame. That's your own issue. That's not God. Now you've got to work through that and let the word of God then bring the subjective into the objective. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And by the way, why do we talk about the blood of Jesus? Some of you are like, that's gross and sick. Like, why do we? That's so Old Testament because the blood is life. If you lack blood, I don't know if you know this, if you've taken classes, if you lack blood, you die. Yeah, I researched that this week. I had a lot of time as a pastor this week, so I researched it. 
And it's true, all right? So he sheds his blood, that's life. So when we sing about it, it's not this gross, oh, why are you being so gory? It's reminding us that it's either his blood or our blood. Thank you, Jesus. So we have atonement through the shedding of his blood, the giving of his life. To be received by faith, you trust that now what he says is true. I don't feel like I'm free. I still feel like a sinner, but I'm going to trust you when you're like, listen, it's done. I still feel like I need to pay you back. I need to, I need to be extra nice. I need to do extra righteous things. I still need to earn your love. Uh, no, by faith. But Brian, I've had a really bad week and it's the same sin. It's been 15 years and I've been a Christian for 20 years and now I used to share about it, but I don't want to share about it anymore because I'm supposed to be a good Christian and I volunteer and what will they think and all that. And you're still going through all of that. And he's like, no, 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 by faith, by faith. If he says it, I believe you. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. The cross demonstrates the righteousness. That means the complete justice of God. He is truly just. He's not like us, where we show favor to one person because we know him, but we really want to convict the other person because we don't. God doesn't do that. He is completely righteous because in his forbearance or his patience, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So just, you know, in the Old Testament, when all the, the birds and the, the lambs and all the bulls and they were dying, all that kind of stuff, that never satisfied the penalty. It just kind of prolonged it until Jesus came. But it couldn't satisfy it because it needed to be their blood, not the blood of a bull. You see, and just, you know, you're like, why did he do all that? Why kill all those animals? It was supposed to show them of this is the path you're on if you don't trust me. It was supposed to be an example of like, I'd rather a bull die than you uh, do you get it? And they never got it. And so he's like, oh my gosh, thousands of your guys are like, come on, get it, get it, get it. They don't. So he, now the son of God comes. That's why the animals were supposed to be a reflection of their own spiritual depravity and people missed it. Instead, they're like, oh, this is just a religious thing. <laughs> Cut it, kill it. Boom, I'm good. He's like, no, don't you get it? If you don't get it, that dead bull, you're dead. So that's why, just so you know. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God is holy. And when the Bible talks about that he is holy, it means that he is separate from us. He's perfectly just in everything he does. But what's amazing, he's also perfectly loving. You see, that's where he desires mercy right? He desires mercy over everything else. So he did it himself, but it, the cross also shows the perfect and complete love fulfilled by God. First John 4, 9 through 10 says this, God has shown his love to us by sending his only son into the world. God did this so we might have life through Christ. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That's really important for us to understand today. Some of you struggle as far as like, oh, I wish I loved God more and I wish to love God more. And he's like, I know, but I love you completely. And if you just let me walk with you, I'll grow that love. But we naturally, just so you know, we naturally don't have this amazing love for God. Just welcome to being a human being. We're, I don't know if you noticed, we're, we're kind of selfish. If you want to really understand how selfish you are, just find someone to get married. You will find really quickly how selfish you are. If you're like, how selfish am I? Just find someone. Pick one. 
first few days, you won't feel like it. You're like, oh my God, I'm so selfless in my love. Mm-hmm, yeah. Give it a few weeks. You'll be in marriage counseling. Yep, I'll see you. Yeah, I'll be like, uh-huh, I knew it was coming, right? Because we're naturally selfish. And God says, I know, I know, but I've loved you completely, even though you love incompletely. And as you walk with me, I'll slowly show you how to love sacrificially. When you get this, you guys, here's the beauty. Here's how I know when we get it as a church, not theologically, that we can show up in connection group and be like, oh yeah, God so loved the world that he gave us one. And you can memorize verses and all that. No, it shows me nothing. The devil knows the Bible better than you. So don't tell me that our Bible knowledge makes us godly. Okay? What makes us godly? When we respond to other people the way God responds to us. And we love them before they love us. You guys, this is why you, you don't get a lot of politics here. You don't get a lot of us versus the world. We're supposed to freaking love them. How? By you accepting the love of Jesus and realizing, do you realize how patient and kind and guiding he was of you? How sacrificial? He laid down his life. So I will lay my, down my life for someone else that God has created in their image. And I want you to understand this, that as much as you think God loves you, you gotta remember he loves the person that you don't like because every single person is created in his image. They're just not living it out. And if we've had the benefit of understanding the cross and allowing the Holy Spirit to change our lives, then we don't take pride in that. Why? Because you did not one stinking thing to clean yourself and you didn't make the payment. So he says, we understand love because of Jesus. I would venture to say this, and I've debated this before and people try their best, but I would say that if you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know love. And I'm sorry if you come here today, you're like, I'm not a Christian. Great. I'm not saying you're not loving. I'm saying you don't know true love. I believe the only way this world can understand love is that for the church to exemplify and reflect the love of Jesus. Jesus is love. God is love. You cannot, you depart from God, you cannot understand love. It's why my mom got flack when she forgave and loved my grandfather who abused her. In fact, Christians saying you shouldn't do that. Love does phenomenally amazing, sacrificial, incredible forgiving. And people will be like, you shouldn't do that. Well, then you don't understand the love of Jesus. And here's the thing, you don't understand your own sin and offense towards Jesus, how much he forgave you. Jesus would say, and we're gonna study it in Luke, won't do that today. We have a whole three, four months to look at Luke and how he describes this love. But Jesus says, those who have been forgiven much, love much. And those who've been forgiven little, love little. And what he's saying is this, if you think that you're a pretty good person, God just needs to tweak you a little bit, clean you up a little bit, but you're pretty much pretty clean. He says, you think you're forgiven little and you'll love little in life. You'll be self-righteous rather than sacrificially loving. But when you realize the magnitude of your rebellion, You gotta remember, God is perfect. You compare yourself to other people. You're like, oh, I'm such a good person because you're comparing yourself to other people in this church. And we have a lot of messed up people in this church. So yeah, easy at access. Now, if you go to other churches, it might be more of a challenge. But you come here, you're like, I rock and roll. Hey, all right, that's fine. I'll give you that. But God says, I don't judge you compared to other people. Nice try. I don't grade on a curve. It's 100% or failure. And so those who have been forgiven much 
And when I talk about forgiveness, a lot of times we think, but I'm not that bad. My whole thing is this, but perfection is not just not being bad, it's being perfectly good. Let me ask you this. The last month, how many of you walked into church and thanked every single person that set up this place, the worship team that came here an hour and a half before you did, two hours before you did, the person who set up sound, gave them a hug and thanked them, the children's ministry, those of you with kids, gave them a $20 bill or more. You know, how many of you guys, right? No. And I'm asking honestly, how many of us have done that every single week, the last four weeks? You see how we lack love? Someone set things up for you, set everything up, came early, left their family, woke up early, even though they don't want to wake up, they got to wake up early during the week, thinking of you, planning a set, right, Pat? Praying for your benefit. And the whole service, we're just thinking about what's in it for us. Now, I'm not saying this. this Pat, you're going to have hugs afterwards. I know people come back, I love you, Pat. Pat's going back, where's my 20? Forget children. <laughs> yeah. Right? Not, 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 I'm not here to guilt you guys. Does that give perspective? Like, really? Are you really perfect? I might not be that bad, but am I really that good? Yeah, we need Jesus. We need Jesus to make the payment, and we need Jesus to show us what love is. But here's what's crazier. Now I kind of want to just dive in the next few minutes, and I want to look at, like, Jesus is doing this for the whole world, you guys. Can you imagine the pressure, the weight of it? Like, I hope they get payment for the whole world. But also, I hope the whole world gets to love. But here's the thing. It's not just a numbers thing. God cares about the individual. Now let's look at Luke 23, verse 32. And I just want to go through this story. I'm not going to expound on it a lot, but I just want to have this kind of segue into worship. Look at the individuality, the personal interaction with Jesus upon the cross. Luke 23, we're going to start in verse 32. Two other men were led away with Jesus to be put to death also. And I just want us to sit in the story, the setting. This is just uh, several hundred yards outside of Jerusalem. This is in a place that's, that's known for death. This is a place um, that is um, not just Jesus, but they're, they're putting other criminals, people that deserved it, to death also. So it wasn't this glorious thing like we see in the movies. Jesus was considered a common criminal, just like these guys. And it says, the two other men were led away with Jesus to be put to death also. These men had done things making them guilty of death. When they came to the place called Calvary, they nailed Jesus to a cross. The two other men were nailed to the crosses also. One was on the right side of Jesus and the other on the left side. Then Jesus, look at the heart of God when he's on the cross. This is love. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. That's just phenomenal. If we were paying for someone's sins and they didn't even recognize it, we'd be angry. Like, how dare you? You know how righteous I am here on this cross, right? You want someone to know how good I am. You should be so fortunate. And Jesus is like, they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. That's holiness. That's a whole different level. That's God, not us. And it says, in the midst of that, they divided his clothes by drawing names, which would fulfill an Old Testament prophecy to prove that Jesus was God. Verse 35, the people stood around looking on 
the leaders were there with them making fun of Jesus. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen one of God. The soldiers made fun of him also. These were Roman soldiers, right? They put sour wine before him. They said, if you are the king of Jews, then save yourself. Let's skip down to verse 39. We have criminals on each side of him. We have soldiers making fun of him. Now look what happens. Verse 39, one of the men who was guilty of death was put on a cross beside Jesus and spoke bad words to him. If you are the Christ, save yourself and also what? Us, yeah. He's like, throw me in there too, bro. If you really are God, all right, come on, man. And he says, but the other man on the cross spoke sharp words to the one who made fun of Jesus. Are you not afraid of God? Isn't it interesting that these guys are about to die and one of them recognizes who Jesus is and the other doesn't? Isn't that our world today? Have you ever been frustrated where you see who God is and you're like, why don't they get it? Why don't? And it's not an intellectual thing. You don't debate someone to see Jesus. Their eyes just have to be open as far as like, whoa. It's a spiritual thing. He says, are you not afraid of God? You are also guilty and will be punished. We are suffering and we should because of the wrong we have done. But this man had done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your holy nation. This guy got the gospel while dying on the cross. I also want you to understand that there's only one way you come to Jesus. When you recognize that I do deserve to die for my sins but he did it for me. That's the only way you come to Jesus. All of us come to Jesus kneeling on the cross, thankful. We don't come with any arrogance or sense of, yeah, I did this on my own. You can't. We see this. This other guy thought, you should save me even though I deserve to die. You should save me anyway. But the other guy came with humility. One was saved and one paid the penalties for his rebellion. You see, Luke's trying to show us something here. And look at Jesus' response to him. He said, for sure, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Do you see how quickly God wants to forgive us? He doesn't want us to go through this long, drawn-out process. He doesn't want you to do a 10-minute prayer. He doesn't want you to do this whole, like, all right, let me cry for five days. Let me... It's a simple decision of, whoa, your, your justice and righteousness is pure. I'm not. And you are incredibly loving. I am not. Will you forgive me? And it's, that's all he wants. That's it. The Bible says at that point, he puts his spirit in us so that now he can truly change us. So he doesn't just leave us. His spirit's in you. Now, someone's may be like, but I don't feel his spirit. I don't feel that. He didn't ask you to feel it. He asked you to believe it and allow God to transform you so you can be like him. Righteous and loving like him. But it goes on. So Jesus personally interacting with another man, forgiving him and giving him eternity. And look what happens also to the Roman soldier. It was dark, verse 44, it was dark all over the earth from noon until three o'clock. The sun did not shine. In the house of God, the curtain was torn in two pieces. Then Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I give my spirit. When he said this, he died. When the soldier saw what happened, 
soldier. What were the soldiers doing before that we read? Making fun of him. Look at the soldier now. When he saw what happened, he did what? Thank God. He praised him. He said for sure he was a good man. Within those hours, somehow, by the actions of Jesus, a criminal changed just before death and a Roman soldier who they loved to mock Jewish people and Christians. They were just something to make fun of. They were a meme. Somehow that guy was transformed by the very person that he was crucifying. This is the beauty of this story in Luke. Nobody is outside the love of Jesus. Nobody. And there is no bad time. A criminal on a cross, Jesus says, gotcha. A Roman soldier that mocks religious people, Jesus says, gotcha. What it shows us is that there's nobody outside the love of Jesus. And there is no bad time. In fact, the best time is now. Because one criminal waited, and he waited too long, and it was too late. Some soldiers waited too long, and it was too late. This is why we sing about Jesus. This is why we proclaim the name of Jesus. This is why the cross is important. And this is why it anchors your faith. When you feel bad, depressed, bombed, shameful, guilty, all those kinds of things, we don't live by emotions, we live by faith, right? And what do we believe in? The justice of God was complete on the cross. You don't have to pay the penalty. The ticket's been paid, relax. Some of us are sending money in like payment. And it's like, already paid. Here's your money back. It's already paid. Stop it. I, I just need to pay. No, no, no. That's for your own subjective guilt. It's already done. So stop it. But the second thing is, listen, it's not just that the ticket's paid. Now Jesus says, now I adopt you as a son or a daughter. I love you. I love you. Nothing you can do for me to love you more. Can you imagine being in a relationship like that? Nothing you could do makes me love you more. And that's the personal interaction of Jesus on the cross. So if that's something that maybe you want to make a recommitment to today, you've forgotten it, you lost your first love, the Bible says. Some of you, your best years of loving Jesus were 20 years ago. And you keep telling stories about 20 years ago and God's like, I don't care about 20 years ago. I care about today. Maybe some of us need to renew that. Maybe some of us come here today and you're like, whoa, I've never heard that complete story of like why the cross and Jesus and God and where I fit in that and holy smokes. What do you do with that? What do I do? Am I supposed to like cry or say something spiritual or just, no, just respond. Just respond saying, Jesus, I love you. Forgive me. And he says, it's done. That's it. Don't make it a long, drawn-out thing. Just be sincere in your heart. Thanking him for the cross and letting him now lead you rather than you lead yourself. So if that's a commitment you made this morning, I just want to encourage you to take communion. That's your act. If that's a commitment, you're like, I don't want to make that commitment yet, then I just ask, don't take communion because that's what communion means. It means that you recognize that the payment's been made and that the love has been completely fulfilled. There's nothing you can do. So the cross is actually one of joy for us. 
that we've been set free, and that we have life, eternity. So no matter how many vitamins you take here, how many blueberries you eat, how much you exercise, you're just prolonging the inevitable. You're going to die. But the beauty is this. Whether God gives you 50 years or 80 years, you already live forever. So you no longer have to be afraid of death as the world is. We can live with joy. We can live with peace and with eternity in mind. And so the worship team is going to come up. And, you know, the only thing that's important beyond this, you guys, is if Jesus died, but he doesn't rise again, then all these words aren't even true, just so you know. So that's why next week is pretty cool, too. Because Jesus can't just die. He actually has to conquer death. Otherwise, we have no confidence that we're going to live forever. So if God's like, hey, you're going to live forever, but I can't, we have a problem. Next week is also a week of joy as Jesus does conquer death. But before we get there, we've got to remember that death is important. It's not that just God wanted to do something special like, look at me. He actually had to fulfill the payment for your sins, but he also had to fulfill his love for you, showing you what it means to truly love someone before they ever love them. So whether you take communion by yourself with a group of people, I hope it means something today, and we're going to worship now. Jesus, as we worship you, these songs, I hope, bring new meaning and power to us. God, I pray that when we sing about the cross throughout the years, that it never becomes something that's just like ho-hum to us, but we realize, wow, we're constantly reminded that we could not pay our debt for our rebellion, and you paid it. But not only that, Lord, that you also completely cleanse us. No matter how we feel, we are completely cleansed by your blood. So God, I pray that no matter how this life goes, whether we never make our financial goals, our relational goals, our physical goals, even our spiritual goals, if we never reach them, God, I pray the hope that we get is that the cross helps us say, hey, guess what? The next life, it'll always be better than this one. It gives us something to look forward to, a resurrection, because we're completely loved and you want to love us forever, not just for 50, 60, 70, 80 years. God, I pray that the cross would give us an anchor in our faith that we would not deviate from it. I pray that the cross would give us a foundation that when we feel shaky, we have someone and something to stand on. May we be a church that never loses our passion, our, our hope, and our thankfulness for the cross. We will always sing about it every week. We believe it, and we're thankful for it. In your name, Jesus, we worship you because you are worthy to be worshiped. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go toaccesschurch.com. 